So you and the X Forces experience and were almost um, excuse the phrase the kick up the bum I needed. That do you know what? Yeah. You know, stop malingering. You can do this and get yeah. on and do it. And once I kind of had that ignition yeah. of the jet fuel within me, I just okay, yeah, no, I, can, I can do it. Yeah. yeah. Since 2013, X-Forces Enterprise has been helping members of the military community to start their business journey through training, mentoring, funding, and ongoing support and connections. From service leavers and veterans to spouses and other family members, X-Forces Enterprise has supported thousands of people, many of whom have incredible stories of success and overcoming adversity. This series of podcasts celebrates their achievements and seeks to demonstrate what can be achieved when you combine the unique ethos and aptitude of the armed forces community with the right support network. The series is hosted by the founder and CEO of X-Forces Enterprise, Lieutenant Colonel Ren Kapur, MBE. John. Absolutely amazing that you're here and we've known each other for a very long time. In fact, I think you were on pretty much the first Help for Heroes program that we ran and I was actually one of the trainers at the time. Uh, tell us a little bit about your journey and uh, from that time, I guess, and from, from when we met. Well, first of all, it's great to be here because you're, I think, one of the most inspirational people I've ever met. Thank you. I have to say. And uh, um, it has been a long journey. Um, And I felt, you know, that I've been supported all the way by you and Martin and the team that you've built around you. You know, that's, there's no doubt about that. I couldn't have, couldn't have done what it is I've done. Um, Yeah, I I sort of had this sort of weird idea, if you (laughs) you recall, about keeping a, stinging insects in boxes in the field yeah. and uh, bottling the honey and selling it and it, it, it was really just a, a bit of a, a mad idea at the time. Well it was part of your um, well-being wasn't it looking after the bees and you know you use that as a bit of your own you know personal development and and well-being so at that I think that when you came on the program correct me if I'm wrong but when you came on the program it was a case of okay let's just see how this might fare but I have to say you were really inspiring and you know it's about we're about to find out as well I think it I think that's true um well I don't think it, that is certainly true it yeah. was and it hasn't changed yeah I would I would be a rubbish dragon's den contestant because you know, it's never been about making money. Mm. The business has to be self-sufficient. Yes. And I'd lie if I was telling you it wasn't making some money, mm. but not a lot. Mm. Uh, and it really was only about my well-being in the, in the early days. Yeah. It was about dealing with flashbacks. It mm. was dealing about with, with dealing uh, with nightmares, low mood, uh, mm. anger, yeah. um, all of those classic clusters that come within those four um, little yeah. abbreviated letters, PTSD. And um, I found that when I was with a, bee ke- a beehive, yeah. and I should say beekeeping had been a hobby of mine for many years, and, and I kind of dropped out of it a little bit in my, la- my last few years in my, in my career. And I always found that I was at peace with myself and the world when I was doing it. And then during the training, uh, the sort of the treatment therapies that I went through, the yeah. cognitive behavioural therapy and the sort of... Um, the things that I was given as a toolbox by combat stress, 
um, up came mindfulness. And yes. it just seemed that, you know, the therapist said, try and think of something that you enjoy, something that really requires you to absorb yourself. Yeah. Uh, beekeeping seemed to be that mm. thing. And, um, well... That I think from uh, from going back now, we're going back some years ago. What when did we go on the program? When were we? That would have been about two thousand fourteen. Two thousand fourteen. That's mm. right. So this is really early on in the Help for Heroes program mm. and the X what X Forces delivers for it for Help for Heroes. Mm. And I remember, and this is where the camaraderie of that uh, program and the people on it. Was, was awesome and it was held at Tidworth House yeah. it was a great location great people but you got the name of the organisation I think you registered it then you were looking at your domain names all in that one week yeah but I don't think I've ever been sort of backward at coming forward I think I just needed help to, yeah. to sort of show that I could do that because what people maybe don't mm. recognise is mm. that that I don't know how post-traumatic stress affects other people, yeah, yeah. but a, a, a sort of acknowledged symptom is a loss of confidence. Mm-hmm. And I had been one of the most confident people you could probably ever hope to meet. You know, I, 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 I have a degree, a master's degree. I, I, I was halfway through a PhD. I was a detective chief inspector, a senior investigations officer. I, I investigated you know, murders. I, I did that thing that is the subject of so many, you know, dramas on television. Yeah. I did that thing. That was yeah. my life. Yeah. I was very confident. I was supremely confident. I, I, I knew the law. I knew how to work around it. I knew how to investigate serious crime. And then once I had this sort of breakdown, yeah. I lost all confidence in myself. Yeah. I gave up an awful lot of things yeah. that I really enjoyed. I'd been a scuba diver. I gave that up mm. overnight. I decided mm. it was too dangerous and I had no confidence, even though I was supremely qualified in it. Yeah. Riding a motorbike. Yeah. I was an advanced police motorcyclist. I had the most beautiful motorbike in yeah. my garage. I used to ride it very confidently. I used to assess other people. And I gave that up overnight. Yeah. And so there were so many things that my confidence just waned away with that I couldn't do anymore. Right. So you and the X-Forces experience and uh, were almost, um, excuse the phrase, the kick up the bum I needed, that, do you know what, yeah. you know, stop malingering, you can do this and get yeah. on and do it. And once I kind of had that ignition yeah. of the jet fuel within me, I just, okay, yeah, no, I, can, I can do it. Yeah. yeah. And, but John, um, I don't think it was a kick up the bum. But <laughs> I do think that, you know, the handrail support and the uh, the way that everybody worked together and they're giving it the pace. Um, not everybody that goes on the programme has to start their own business. You know, I, I think the programme that we run for the wounded, injured and sick has a higher conversion into business, be that a lifestyle business or be that you know, something that they've wanted to do for, for a long time. But I think it's more about actually giving some of the skills, but really, if you break it down, it's redefining your purpose. Would you say that that's what a lot of the uh, delegates got out of it, some of your colleagues that went through it? Without a doubt. Yeah. Absolutely. That is, a, that is exactly what they got, redefining your purpose. And I, and I remember quite a defining moment on the course when, you know, I used to take um, sound bites and ideas from others, and, mm-hmm. and likewise, I gave them as a chap. I still uh, keep in contact with Don Hodgson, yes. uh, who's become a very good friend of mine. And um, Don was a warrant officer, 
medicaled out of the service due to um, serious injury. I think he had been commissioned. Uh, Don, funnily enough, now keeps bees. I taught him to keep bees. Um, but Don, at the time, was thinking of setting up a, a camera uh, sort of photography, oh, photography business, right, yeah, yeah. Business. but wanted to also he wanted to do that his wife wanted to do uh, run a B&B somewhere yeah. in the Lake District you that's know? right I remember it and, well. uh, and, and it sort of came to me well why don't you run photography weekends at the B&B in the Lake District and he sort of looked at me and said why the hell didn't I think of that and, and, but oh, equally I got those things from other yes. people Yes, yes. Um, you know I think somebody first raised the issue of wedding favours to me hang on that was at the course I remember, that yeah, that was on the call. Somebody said, yeah. well, why don't you do... That was you know, me. No, it wasn't me. Come on. You, you had a lot of good ideas, but that one wasn't yours. <laughs> I think that was um, the Royal Marine, um, who now works... Louis. 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 Louis, Louis Nethercott. Yeah, I think yeah, it was yeah. Louis Nethercott. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In amongst all of his raw marine language that no one yeah. understands, um, he came up with that idea. Which is fantastic. And you do wedding favours all the time. Yeah, and they seem to work very well. Yeah. People like Yeah, which is really fantastic. Now, there's a quote that you've uh, said, and I've, I've heard <laughs> you say this uh, before, is that, you know, there's only so much honey that can be produced. So it's about diversification. <laughs> How's that going? Yeah, that, that seems to be, um, I, see, I think I got that right. Yeah. Uh, wedding favours is really another example. Yeah. I came up with this whole uh, sort of business strategy around selling less honey for more money. Yeah. And and, and wedding favours is yeah. one of those things. You know, you can sell a wedding favour for the same price as you can a full jar of honey just because you put a bit of cloth and a little drizzle on it and, yeah. and, and made it look lovely and twee. Um, and there are many other ideas. But I've branched into, for instance, training. Mm -hmm. I train new beekeepers. I sell equipment. I take my bees to other parts of the country to pollinate crops and charge for that service. That's it. Um, yeah, they don't fly there themselves. They go in on a Land Rover. But, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, diversification has to be right because the, one beekeeper can only run a finite number of hives. Right. You can have a bad year where your bees don't produce very much honey, so you have to have a backup plan mm -hmm. to bring income into the business. Right, so you just mentioned you can have a bad year. Mm. You had an extremely bad, bad year when it was the yeah. uh, the weather. Indeed. Tell My me about first that. Year. Your first year. I remember it. It... Um, it almost wiped me out. I had yeah. spent all of my money uh, that I had sort of set aside from our family budget to set the business up on some beehives, 15 in total. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that was the first year. I'd gone from four to having 20 hives, so I'd, I'd, I'd be gifted one and then I had to buy another 15. Um, and that year in March, Easter, you know, the time when the colonies are building up, we got hit by a storm, and I can't remember the name of it. You know, they give these yeah. stunning storms storm trevor or whatever it was came whacking through and even though i tied the hives down it blew them all over and killed all pretty much all but one of the colonies yeah. so it was a disastrous start yeah. really um you know what i picked myself yeah. up and dusted myself off i learned from it none of the hives themselves were damaged the colonies were all dead um i i wasn't anywhere nearby so i didn't find out for about three days what had happened um so by then it was too late and uh, I have to t hand it to you because that's the point where it, where you know, people would wouldn't probably have said, you know, this is just too much like hard work. And you were very resilient at that point, and and I'm sure you you had to question where do we go from here. But you picked yourself up, dusted yourself down, and you you're where you are now. Yeah, I think every every person who served in the armed forces yeah. or the police. Yeah. have that resilience because the first casualty of battle is your plan yeah. and you know you have to 
you have to be able to overcome and adapt and you know it's something that's drummed into you from the very first day of your training when you're you know a brand new shiny shiny recruit so I think that resilience is inbuilt but right. it, it, it does it is hard when it's your own money and your own yeah. investment and you, you can see it wasted um, and you know you've got to do it if you, if you to want it. to succeed yeah. Yeah, yeah. you have to put your big boy pants on yeah. and get on with it yeah John I remember when you stood up I think it was the fourth anniversary and Lieutenant General Nugent. Richard Nugent was there. <laughs> Do you remember that? Richard Nugent, uh, when I left the army, considering that when I retired I was a captain, so I probably wasn't good enough to wipe the shoes of a general. And Richard Nugent, I now stay in touch. He's a lovely chap. He is a lovely chap. Do you remember actually what happened? I you're do. Right, do tell the story because it's so amazing. Richard Nugent as most generals do, and that's probably why they're generals, uh, was bigging himself up about how many staff he had under his command because he was in charge of all of the staff in both Absolutely. the Army, the Royal Air Force and the Royal Navy. Yeah, as Chief of Defence As people. Chief Defence people. I think that probably only amounts to about 300 people now, but anyway, nonetheless, <laughs> at the time it was quite a significant amount. And I sort of listened and thought about that. And so uh, I uh, I was asked to say a few words, which was very gracious of you to allow me to do that because... Um, uh, I do talk for England, um, so I took the microphone and I thought, well, it's about the only chance I'm ever going to get to take the mickey out of the general. <laughs> and so I said it was very nice for General Nugent to explain all of the stuff that he has under his command, but General, just consider this. I have 100 beehives. Each beehive in the summer has about 100,000 worker bees. I'll allow you to do the mathematics, but that gives me a far more elevated managerial position than you. And uh, the audience erupted, which yes, I kind of think uh, marked my uh, personality on X Forces Enterprise. Absolutely, <laughs> and I'm really pleased that uh, General Richard has He's stayed lovely. in touch yes. because I met him only last week. He wants to do a beekeeping course. He does, and he mentioned that he's uh, he's going to do that. So well done yeah, yeah. with you. So I want to uh, just uh, bring something else up because I know you uh, served with the military police and then obviously then with Hampshire police as well and you know how important uh, the agenda on supporting people who are transitioning across the forces. Now you're aware that we've been helping people from the police force as well. What does that particularly made a uh, impression on you? I don't think you'll know quite how important that work is. And the way I see it is this, it's very simple. The, the military have got their act together in looking after their people, both on uh, retirement, mm -hmm. uh, from transitioning, whatever, that, whatever the reason for that transition mm -hmm. is. The military seem to have, many years ago, probably back as early as the first Gulf War, yeah. got their act together, got things sorted. And I would, I would suspect that people in the military will still say that it's not perfect. But let me mm -hmm. tell you this, it's a goddamn deal good, more perfect yeah. than what a police officer mm -hmm. or maybe a member of the fire service or a paramedic mm -hmm. will get when they transition. Yeah. And they can transition for similar reasons, you yeah. know, at the end of a long and fruitful career uh, or through injury. Yeah. Um, and we're seeing more and more, you see every day on the newspaper, that terrible, uh, just the funeral the other day of that Thames Valley officer, brave yeah. Thames Valley officer who was killed, yeah. um, and many are stabbed and, and cannot return to work, both because of physical and mental scars. And, and having served on in both forces, both yeah. in the army and being to war with the army and 
um, with the police and worked frontline pretty much all of my career. There are real similarities. Mm-hmm. But what I would say is this, the army only go to war every now and again. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're a soldier in a regular battalion or in a corps, you know, there could be wars raging all the time, but you will transit through that scenario, yeah. through that theatre of war and yeah. come back. And I'm not for one minute discounting how yeah. bad it is while they're there. But a copper, mm-hmm. and that's, that's, you know, where I speak from, goes through that for a set of seven night shifts, yeah. two days off, a yeah. set of four late shifts, two days off, five day shifts, two days off, repeat. Yeah. And you repeat and you repeat. And if you're a, a copper somewhere in heartbeat land, mm-hmm. maybe, it's perhaps mm-hmm. not as tough as it is in a, in a city. Yeah. Uh, although I'm, I'm not entirely sure that's true nowadays. Mm-hmm. And the job comes with massive, massive... Um, threats mm-hmm. with massive responsibility there are less police officers now mm-hmm. so I think in summary what you're doing is not before time yeah it is ground breaking and it will make a hugely positive um, impact yeah. on a lot of people well I have got to say that you've also inspired me in terms of you know we've been helping the police force um, you know since for the last so many years and we've helped something like just over 200 but really inspired me to actually take it out of incubation and refocus on the training as well. So having you on side and uh, right now as the ambassador and, and maybe more into the future means a lot to me. So thank you very well, much. I can't thank you for letting me, let me take that responsibility because I, I'm, I'm humbled that you have. And, and, you know, I got very little help. I was lucky. I, I was lucky because I had served for 10 years in the army before a 22-year police career. Now, that 10 years in the army helped me enormously when, mm-hmm. I, when I finally, uh, you know, had a crash mm-hmm. and had a, a mental breakdown. It wasn't the police that helped me. The police didn't help me in terms of my mental health, mm-hmm. and they certainly didn't help me with mm-hmm. as ex-forces really? have, yeah. because it wasn't there. It wasn't there. The I'm, not, wasn't yeah, there. I'm not blaming yeah. any one individual for that. No, it no, just absolutely. isn't there. This isn't a blame thing. It's just it wasn't there. And so yeah. those things now need to be thought of very seriously, and it's very clear that they are. Yeah. And I'm, I, I'm humbled to be an ambassador to be able to help people and give them that help that I didn't get. And thank you. You've made some connections already. Yeah. Right, I'm going to take it back to the project. So I know that you've got a new project. Yes. Um, this is a... a, 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 a this is this is an idea. That, let me let me explain the backstory to this. So, so I rock up at Help the Heroes as an ex-copper and as this rather weird beekeeping bloke, um, and met a lot of people there that um, had suffered. Yeah, very brave people. I mean, their story is humbling. Yeah, uh, people who have lost uh, many of them, sort of more than one limb, um, and. I got talking to this chap in, you know, I won't mention his name because I think that would be inappropriate, but we were we were watching um, soccer on the television one night in the TV room there, and I can't stand soccer, I'm a rugby boy, and, and I saw I was, you know, being polite, and he, he was moaning mm-hmm. about his socket prosthesis on his, mm-hmm. he had an above-knee amputation on the right leg, and he was complaining that he couldn't use his prosthetic because his mm-hmm. leg was so sore yeah. and rubbed and... And I said, oh, yeah, I've got a bit of eczema on my lower leg. Uh, what do you use? And we kind of mm. got into that sort of thing. And then I mentioned that I used something from a, a honey uh, farmer um, called Propolis Barn. Yeah. Um, and he'd never heard of it. Right. And so I bought him something uh, right. from this place. It was hugely expensive, tiny little jar. Yeah. Uh, far smaller than that for about 10 quid. Right. Um, and gave it to him. So there, this gift, try And he emailed me a few weeks later and said, oh, my goodness, it's brilliant. It works so much better than anything else. Please yeah. tell me where you got it from and I'll buy it. 
So I said, well, don't do that. Let me knock some up on my cooker. Uh, <laughs> and it isn't really very difficult. It's beeswax, propolis, and a few other nice skin-healing yeah. you know, uh, uh, oils, essential yeah. oils. So I knocked up a few batches and tried to mirror what we had bought. And he said it was very, very good, and I gave it to a few others, and the feedback was excellent. And through XFE, I then met um, a mentor. Right. And this mentor uh, also mentored a lady who runs an aromatics company that's in the New Forest, right. Debbie yeah. Mulcairn. Yeah, that's right. Debbie and I get on like a house on fire, and we did yeah. the minute we met, and I had to run this story past yeah. And the mentor said, I think you're on something there. The alchemist. The alchemist. <laughs> <laughs> Debbie Mulcairn, the white witch of the New Forest. Yeah. And uh, she'll kill me when she hears this. Uh, she's absolutely lovely lady, and her family's lovely too. And um, she um, and I uh, started making up the first yeah. match. And the idea then was, let's give Help for Heroes a ring and say, why don't you let us sell this and put your logo on it and sell it to raise money? And we started uh, production in, uh, we've had a lot of help from Martin Wing and, and yourself and your team to help us, and it's not been an easy part. Yeah, mostly uh, Martin on, the, on this one. Yes, yeah. well, I was a bit naive. I thought it would happen you know, within a space of a few weeks. Several months later, we're still sort of ploughing through cosmetic testing, licensing, manufacturing processes, labelling issues, it, it's not easy and we still haven't entirely got it right. Um, and we now have this product, um, the contract gauge is to sign with Help Heroes, but we've already sold uh, 500 tins of it right? and a minimum of one pound goes to Help the Heroes. So Brilliant. on that basis, Help the Heroes are about to get a lumpy check oh, for 500 quid and we've only really been producing it for two months. Right, so if is there anything that, uh, you, this is now your opportunity is there anything that we could do to help? Yes, um, all your listeners should go to Amazon and type in Great. WISP bomb. WISP is a mnemonic for wounded and injured service personnel. Uh, so we really have thought it through. This stuff doesn't just happen. Um, and uh, buy it. And it's great for dry, damaged, cracked uh, skin. Um, I can't make medical claims due to cosmetic testing rules, but it is very good. Great for eczema, that sort of thing. Uh, dry, chapped heels, knees, head, shoulders, knees, toes. Um, and it will make a lot of money for this charity. And uh, and it's a sort of circular process, really, yeah. isn't it? I've been helped by the charity. I'm now helping the charity. Absolutely. If there was anything else that we could do to support you, is there be anything else that, you know, if I had a magic wand, okay. what would that be? Uh the Euro lottery numbers for two weeks ago. Okay. I think once, if I have those, yeah. you might. I wouldn't be there. <laughs> so, um, yes, I, I, I have. I, I now need to take this yeah. to the next stage. I am not a marketing expert. Right. If XFE yeah. could run a marketing masterclass yeah. and even help me find a marketing expert that can guide people to that Amazon website to buy this stuff and okay. maybe get me fast-tracked into a multiple... Yeah. That will say, fantastic, we'll have it. We'll have 10,000 units. That's what I need. Because, right. it, yes, it makes money for me. Of course it does. I'd be foolish to sit here and tell you it wasn't. Uh, and, for, and for Debbie, for Wisp Care Products, which is yeah. the company we've built. But the important thing is, it's making money for a charity. Right. And we've got some more ideas. Right, great. So, a masterclass on marketing, we're going to make that happen. But let's get this product out there with a, a big retailer online. We know who you are. Let's try and do that. Yes, Mr. T. Esco or anyone else <laughs> of a supermarket ilk, please call me. Or me. Or both or of both us. us. <laughs>
X-Forces Enterprise is the leading organisation supporting the military into business and enterprise learning in the UK, providing training, mentoring, networking and government-backed loans for startup businesses. Our microfinance success rate is over 90% and reflects the handrail of support our beneficiaries receive. X-Forces Enterprise's model of support reflects the ethos and values of the armed forces by providing a community and a sense of belonging. As a member of the Army Reserves and an entrepreneur since an early age, these are values I hold dear. I also believe that enterprise skills are life skills, whether you are starting your own business, preparing for employment or volunteering. X-Forces Enterprise have helped to equip thousands for the next path in life. If you are a member of the Armed Forces community and want to find out how X-Forces Enterprise can support your discovery and journey into enterprise, please visit us on x-forces.com. That's the letter x-forces.com.